According to Dr. Leslie, the impoverished rural community of Walbank and Mpumalanga has been reliant upon the local municipality for years for their water. However, a couple of weeks back, their water ran dry. Dr. Leslie contacted the Jewish Board of Deputies and the Angel Network requesting a borehole. Her request was successful. This past Tuesday, my colleagues and I were delighted to be invited to the official handover. I'm delighted to have Dr. Leslie as my guest now to tell me about her involvement in the Bulb Bank and the larger Dr. J.S. Morocco Municipality community. Dr. Bradburn, welcome and thank you so much for joining me. Thank you for very much for inviting us. In, in terms of this particular community, the problems actually started way back in 2018 when I first arrived there in response to a, a humanitarian crisis of note in that the community had been without water for 49 days at that point in time. What had happened is that the, the dam was completely dry. There was absolutely not one single drop of water in there. And the local and pirate-type water sellers took full advantage of that situation and dynamited the water line. So every time the municipality fixed the water line in the morning, they would come during the night and blow it up again. So it was an ongoing, almost unfixable problem. So I'd been, I, I was there for those 49 days and um, the lady that I was staying with had water, so I didn't actually think to ask, where does this water come from? Because I'm used to water coming out of a tap. And then one day I saw her trundling past in the road with a wheelbarrow and six 25-litre containers, and I opened the window and said, where are you going? No, no, I'm coming. I said, no, I'm coming to help you. That's too heavy. And when I trundled along with her, we ended up in a field with a hole in the ground and she took off the buckets and produced a piece of rope and said, now we must tie this on the handle and drop it down there for water. I I was appalled. <laughs> I said to her, you cannot be serious. Is the water coming from down there? And we stood there. It took us about, I don't know, close to an hour to, to fill up eight and 25 litre buckets. So that's 200 litres of water. And if I say to you that it was the colour of a pond where frogs live, I would not be exaggerating. And we took it back to the house and then I watched Lydia's uh, advanced filtration system, for want of a better way of putting it, where she used a series of cloths and sieves and various things to get the grit, the stones, whatever. And at the end of the day, and the water was potable in that it was clean. You know, there was nothing swimming around in it. But um, she then proceeded to boil it. So it became quite a quite a, a convoluted process um, in that and this she had to do every day. And uh, she's in her 70s. And the rest of the village, they are either very, very young or very, very old. And everybody alike was drawing water from that same hole. That is more than 32,000 people. So at the end of the day, I then got in touch with the local municipality and I said that this is outrageous. And they were kind of, well, we'll fix it, you know. We we fix it, but they break it, so we don't know what to do. So then I phoned Lindiwi Susulu, 
the, the, the minister's office and I asked her, are you aware what is going on here? Are you even interested sitting in your ivory tower elsewhere in the country? So she sent representatives the next day because I told her, if you do not send somebody here to fix this problem immediately, I am going to make you very famous on the front page of the newspaper. They came and they, oh, you know, we didn't know anything about this, blah, blah, blah. Of course they knew about it. They just don't care because it's a rural community, literally two hours away from Pretoria, two hours away from Limpopo in the middle of nowhere. So I said to them, would you drink this? I said, I want to see you stand here and drink a glass of this water. I corner, we can't do that. It's going to make us sick. I said, and what about the people here? You think it's not making them sick? I said, the next thing we're going to have here is a typhoid epidemic. I said, and when that happens, then I will really make you famous. Anyway, then they started sending the water tankers. Before that, they weren't sending anything. Astrophil 8 in Johannesburg, they sent up three uh, trucks, semi-trucks and trailers full of water. I phoned them and I said, I need water today. And to give credit where it's due, it appeared in the afternoon. Thousands and thousands of um, five-liter containers of water. So at least everybody then had water. And then I contacted um, SIPO from Ketakoma um, Drilling, Rig Drilling Services, and I said, please come and install a borehole. I said, I haven't got any money, but I will get it. I said, I need it on credit. <laughs> he said to me, we don't work like that. I said, you need to work like that if you want future business. So he said, okay, I'm coming. And he arrived in the evening and did a test drill. And the next day they arrived and they drilled down to 150 meters and the water came out of there like a fountain. So people came running from everywhere with the buckets and singing and dancing. The next morning they installed it on Thursday and Friday they came to finish the drill and put the cap on. And the next morning I was in bed fast asleep and I suddenly thought, what is all that noise? Because I could hear people talking and it's a rural area. It is stone quiet at night. So I thought, what is all of that noise now? And I opened the curtains and there is a queue for at least eight to ten kilometers at two mm-hmm. o'clock in the morning. Mm-hmm. And they're all chatting. They're all chatting and they're all happy because they're going to get water. And they stood there, even in the heat of the day, because there it gets very, very hot, as you experience. And they stood there in that queue, no arguing, no bickering, no pushing in, just patiently waiting for water. So we installed that one, and that has been running since 2018. And then in um, last year, in November, I was 65 years old. And people said to me, oh, it's a special uh, birthday. What would you like? So I said, money, give me money. So people were saying, what do you want money for at your age? I said, I'm going to buy a borehole. So they said, but you've got a borehole in your garden. I said, it's not for me. It's for a rural community. And fortunately, I've got enough friends that are sufficiently generous. And the ones that weren't, I just badgered them until they gave the money. And we raised enough money to put a second borehole in down at the bottom of the village near the dam, close to the um, the King's Kraal. 
and then um, I think it's maybe two weeks ago, three weeks ago, then the chief for Falbank got in touch with me and he said, Falbank has been without water for 17 days. Can you help? So I said, look, I'm going to um, phone Wendy. I said, because if anybody can help, it will be the SAJBD, because this is a lot of money. It was nearly a 100,000. So I sent Wendy an email on Tuesday morning. She read it on Tuesday afternoon because she was in meetings in the morning. And she said, um, it's a lot of money, but I'm on it. And the next day, I got a phone call from SIPO to say to me, did you put money in my bank account? So I said to him, and where do you think I would get money from? So he said, no, the, the borehole's been paid for in full. So I said, read who the, the sender is. And he said, no, it's the, it's the South African Board of Jewish Deputies and the Angel Network. So I said, so now you need to install, please, like yesterday. And then they, their rig at the point, at that point in time was working with a specific uh, drill bit. And they needed a diamond drill bit there because they have to go through what's referred to as the substrata, which is very, very hard because this is generations old land that has not been taken care of. So they, they ordered in, um, a diamond drill bit from overseas. When that arrived, they came on not last week, Thursday, the Thursday before, and they started drilling and, um, at 97.6 meters, they hit the first water, came out not gushing. And I said, take it down to 150 meters. And then that came out like a proverbial fountain. And again, everybody came running and everybody was queuing. And the one thing about rural villages, they're not like urban residents because they, they queue politely, they chat, they sing and dance and wait their turn. But that we started issuing water at nine o'clock at night on Sunday because they came on Thursday and drilled. Um, Friday and Saturday it was bucketing down, so you can't use the drill because it's it's a health hazard. And Sunday they finished. We kept the we kept the well point and then started issuing water at nine o'clock, and it's not stopped since. People queue day and night to get to water, and they don't mind if it's the middle of the night. They're, they're still there chatting as though it's the middle of the day. So that is made a huge impact um, for the community. But what we're hoping to do next is to install um, what they call water lines so that they would run adjacent to the existing borehole, but for five kilometers in three different directions and erect standpoints. Because if we put standpoints with taps on, we can switch the taps on at 4 a.m. in the morning when Ephraim stands up and we can switch them off at 8 o'clock at night, which means that the very, very old people that come along with their wheelbarrows, and many of them are in the 80s and their 90s, then they don't have to walk kilometers with a wheelbarrow. You know, they can access the nearest uh, standpoint, draw the water, switch it off, and and go home because they're very, very good at conserving water. You know, they know not to leave a tap dripping or um a tap running. So um that's our that's our next objective is to put fifteen kilometers of water line in and a second borehole. 
Dr. Bradburn, what struck me on Tuesday is the generosity of the community themselves and the leaders who have stood forward. For example, um, Ephraim Mashaba, Lydia's and Lydia Mashaba and Prince, people who volunteer themselves. Now, the, the borehole has been put in Ephraim's garden. Even though he has a job, he is, makes himself available to ensure that the borehole is kept safe that, um, and that he is available to help the community as and when they need it. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? those those people, those leaders? You see, um, Lydia Lydia Masharpa is with a P. Lydia was my housekeeper for 30 years um, when we lived in Johannesburg and subsequently in Cape Town. So I know that Lydia is 100% trustworthy. Not only that, uh, she is a tribal elder, so she reports directly to the chief and to the king because all of these uh, properties, they're vested in um, royal kingdoms, so they're still under tribal rule. So Lydia forms part of the tribal council, and Ephraim, her son, has a full-time job. He's a printer, and he, he leaves from home at, on the 4 a.m. bus to go to Pretoria, and from Pretoria he goes out to Irene, so he arrives at work at half past seven. And then in the afternoon, he does the process in reverse. He leaves work at 5, so he gets home at 8 p.m. And that is why I suggested that we put the water lines in, because he will open the water lines as he leaves, and he'll close them when he arrives home, which means the whole community still have unfettered access. The reason that we put the um, the first Jojo tank and the pump inside the property is it's a very, very impoverished rural community. And unfortunately, if you have very little, sometimes the temptation becomes just too much to to grab something with, with a view to selling it. And these pumps cost a lot of money because they're booster pumps and they're easy to sell because uh, they take them to Pretoria and sell them as scrap metal. So we said they are going to be located inside locked premises so people can't get in. And we capped them. We capped the uh, the top of the pump with cement. So they'd have to start digging before they could actually steal. And um, and then what we do is we electrify uh, the line from the, the Jojo tank to the pump. So if they do try to get the, the pump out in Ephraim's absence, they're going to get a very nasty shock. So, but you know, the, having said that, I lived there for almost three years. And when, when COVID was, um, very rampant in this particular community. And, and in that three years, I saw one crime only. And that was a young man getting a little bit too fresh for his girlfriend's liking and his girlfriend screaming. And the community came running from all directions. And if it hadn't been for the police intervening, I don't know what would have happened to that young man. But other than that, people leave their doors open at night. They um, they leave their windows open. If you go shopping, you don't have to lock your car because tribal rule is very, very strict. It's almost similar to um, Islamic rule in that crime is absolutely not acceptable. And the tribal elders will find you and they will hold you accountable because we had a young man who um, he mugged one of my very um, elderly uh, uh, patients 
she went to pick and pay to collect her SASA grant and he, he grabbed her handbag because she has a little walker to get along and he grabbed her handbag and ran. He didn't even get to the end of the street before he was attacked by people who saw what had happened. The bag was recovered and they literally dragged him by his collar to the police station. So, you know, they, they don't, they just do not tolerate any kind of intrusion in terms of uh, privacy, in terms of entering people's property. Some of the terrible things that you hear happening in the likes of Alex or Soweto just simply do not happen there. Dr. Bradman, we have to end the conversation here, but I have enjoyed talking to you. I think that the Volk Bank and indeed the whole municipality are so fortunate to, to have you as their guardian angel because I think that is what you are. And it was lovely being there uh, this Tuesday and lovely meeting you in person and seeing for myself the impact that something like that has on a village. So just to say thank you very much and thank you very much for joining me. Thank you. Thank you very much for giving us a chance to, to tell the greater community ab- about Allemans Drift B and about Fall Bank. I appreciate it. Thank, Thank you very much. That was Dr. Bye-bye. Leslie Bradburn, Bye-bye. who um, was telling us about her contribution to the Ball Bank community.